This message was given at Campus Fellowship's 2020 Winter Retreat by Drake University's Campus Fellowship Director, Caleb Thompson, from Des Moines, Iowa. The theme of this specific conference was heaven. We hope you find this encouraging. So uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, grasping redemption far and wide. And if you uh, haven't figured out by now, what we're going to be talking about the next couple days is heaven. Uh, and in March 2020, something pretty significant happened to you guys. Um, your whole life was changed. It was shuttered up. Uh, you had to go home from school, probably. Uh, you didn't see friends for a while, and, the, and the, uh, the prognosis for the world was looking pretty bleak uh, for a little while. Uh, and, and it's at that, those moments in time where we need, we need some hope. We need a sure hope, something that's something that's for real, something tangible we can cling on to. And, and this, is, this is how the Bible describes heaven for us. It's a real, it's a sure hope. And so when I, when I talk about heaven this morning, um, uh, be, because the conference changed locations and we had less teachers, um, Eric was going to talk about the present heaven. So heaven right now, where it is, what it's like. When I talk about heaven, that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about heaven, I'm talking about the eternal state for believers and God dwelling together where earth comes down and combine, or heaven comes down to earth and combines with heaven for all eternity. We dwell with God. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about heaven. So I want you guys to do something for me. I want you to imagine that you're a slave. You were born a slave. Your siblings are slaves. Your parents are slaves. When you wake up, you're a slave. When you go to bed, you're a slave. Your grandparents died slaves. All you know is the slave life. The only free people that you know are your owners. You've never had a conversation with them. And one day, uh, your job is to go get water from the river and bring it back to feed the livestock. And when you're there you meet two free people. They were once slaves, but now they're free. And they befriend you, and they start talking, and you start asking them questions, and question after question about, after question about, wait, how, how does life operate as, as a free person? I understand that you have, you have a body just like mine, but you get to do things. You don't have to check in when you leave. You don't have to check in when you return. Could you imagine the questions that you would ask if you were a slave and met a free person of which you've never met before? But this is us right now. We are slaves. Right? We, we, we are under the curse since Adam and Eve. And because of the curse, Work is difficult and childbearing is painful. Pride has destroyed families and friendships and cities and, na and nations. And, and in the book of Romans, Paul describes sin as a slave master. We don't have to imagine very far. We are under the curse. <laughs> we are slaves to sin in our bodies. Now, the Word of God has given us a vivid picture of what this freedom from slavery will look like. 
Obviously, right now, it's, it's freedom from slavery because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, and we can live in that freedom, not being a slave to sin, but being a slave to righteousness. But this redemption, the, the ultimate fulfillment of this, this redemption is in heaven. Our freedom. So why is it important that we understand this future redemption, this buying free of our souls from slavery? Randy Alcorn says, you can only hope for what you desire, and you can only desire what you can imagine. God has given us a vivid picture of what this freedom, this future heaven will look like for us in his word so that we can imagine it so that we can bank our lives on it so we can get pumped about this future hope and what i hope to clarify this morning <laughs> this is a huge topic <laughs> so clarify in a small sense what i hope to clarify this morning is what heaven is going to be like the actual, the, our existence, our experience in heaven. What the, what the environment is going to be like. Open up your Bibles to Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5. This is the text we're going to be in this morning. <clears throat> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Pray with me. Father God, we're just humbled to be able to be in a place where we can freely speak about you. We can freely speak about heaven. We can imagine this place freely by your grace and in this country. God, I pray that you would uh, just open, open our eyes to this reality. I just pray that we would leave here today and this week changed people because of our clarity about heaven and what the blood of Christ, the fullness of what the blood of Christ purchased for us in this redemption. I'll give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. So I'm going to talk about three things uh, today, that God will redeem, this passage tells us that God will redeem everything, and in that everything, he'll redeem the earth, and he'll redeem us. So number one, God will redeem everything. 
What will he redeem? He'll redeem everything. All things. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He'll make everything new. Everything new. The environment, how we interact with the environment, how we interact with each other. But what exactly do we need to be redeemed of? And this is, this is a main thrust of what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to talk about this three different times. But we need to be redeemed from death, from sin that leads to death. That's what we need to be bought back from, from our own sin. And death, is blank, it blankets all of Scripture. From front to back, there's death, death of loved ones, of friendships, of trust and peace, death of armies, and the worship of God and nations, death all over the place. And so here, where we are in Revelation 21, a little bit of context, let's read some Revelation 20. Before heaven descends down into earth, and heaven and earth are combined and the whole world is redeemed. This is awesome. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever. Your enemy, my enemy, the devil, gone. And Revelation 20, verse 14, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. The two forces that have enslaved us for our entire lives were free. They're dead. Death has been killed. The one who brings death, the devil, has been killed. He's gone. There's hope. God has redeemed in the new heaven. He has redeemed all things. <clears throat> Number two, God will redeem the earth. Now Luke talked a, a little bit about some of these misconceptions, but, but think about, I, I, if um, I want to know, I want you guys to nod your heads. If you look at these pictures that are behind me, and I just want you to nod your heads if, if when you think about heaven, this used to be or can often be an image that you get when you think about heaven. So, this is on, in the New York Times, a story about is, is heaven going to be really that awesome? You know, just one person on a cloud, you add a harp and a diaper. Yeah? How about the next one? I wish I'd brought a magazine. There's loneliness, a cloud. Is there another one? That one, that's like the quintessential stairway to heaven, bright light, ambiguity. Am I the only one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a disnified, if you will, view of heaven. We have that picture of heaven, not from anything that the Bible teaches, but because of what the culture teaches, because they have a very surface-level view of the scriptures, of what heaven is going to be like. That is a misconception. That's not what it's going to be like at all. Another misconception that Luke had talked about is this 
great concert. And this comes from Revelation 4, where, where these, there are these four creatures that are, that are they, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They sing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they will for sure be singing in heaven. But, but the reason that that is the, the, the picture and the mentality, I think, is because we have a, a very uh, small view of what worship is. Worship is everything in which you spend your time, money, and energy. And a lot of, a lot of people have this view that worship is just singing. We will sing, but we will work, and we will have leisure, and we will have rest, and we will have friendships. And all of that, in all of that, we will worship God. So when you think about heaven, you don't think about, the, uh, about harps and togas and clouds and, and halos and loneliness. What should we think about? I'll get to it. But one of the, so what will redemption look like for the earth? One of the most significant concepts about heaven that I want you guys to remember from today. So you're like, well, is, is this going to be in heaven or is that going to be in heaven? Just remember the principle of continuity. The principle of continuity. I got to read it from here. I didn't write it down. The continuation of likeness in creation through the fall and into eternity. Okay, so two examples. Adam. When Adam, when Adam and Eve were created, they had bodies. After the fall, when, after Adam and Eve had sinned, they had bodies. So what do you think their glorified state is going to be look like? Is going to look like? We already know. Peter talks about it. Glorified bodies. Paul talks about it. glorified bodies. Another example at creation, there were animals and people, stars, landforms, oceans, etc. After the fall, there were the same things. All those after the fall, death was included in all these things. These things became very dangerous to us. But after redemption, we can expect the same thing. In eternal heaven, we can expect the same thing. <clears throat> okay, so what's the, what's the new earth? What do we learn about the new earth or the redeemed earth in verses 1 and 2? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So what does this teach us about this new heaven? Okay, so, so it teaches us, I'm going to deal with two of them right at the same time. It teaches us there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and I, and I think what that's saying is that earth will be restored. The earth that we're living in now will be restored. And this is debated. I know that Luke earlier talked about this, that, that it's potentially going to be bigger and totally different. Um, this is where I'm at right now. Either, either uh, belief is fine, but the new heaven and new earth, the earth will be restored, and then heaven will descend on the earth. And here's why I think that heaven will descend on the earth, and, and what we have right now is what we're going to have in the future only glorified. Revelation um, uh, 21 1 it says that uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first earth had passed away so the word passed away it means to go away or depart it doesn't 
means cease to exist. It means it's not going to be the same. It's going to go away. It's going to depart. Genesis 1.31 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. All that God had, me, had made in creation was very good. Why, does he, why would he get rid of it? Why does he get rid of it? And then Jesus, he uses this word in Matthew 19.28 when talking about the end of the world. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, and some of your transla- translations use at the renewal of all things. And this word is the word palagenesia. It means new genesis. Uh, and and it, it means a renewal. It means it, to take it from one state uh, of, of badness back into goodness. And so Jesus himself talks about this renewal of everything that we see and everything that we know. And secondly, heaven descend will descend down onto the earth. So what is New Jerusalem? This New Jerusalem, this new city, it's descending from heaven. John, John is writing to, to what he's seeing in this vision to, uh, 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 to the church. And he's seeing the New Jerusalem descend out of heaven. Where's it coming? It's coming to earth. Well, what is New Jerusalem? Is it heaven or is it earth? It's heaven and earth combined. That's what we see. That's what I think that this passage is teaching, that the new heaven and the new earth is the restoration of heaven coming down to earth and the restoring of the earth. And third, the sea was no more. Well, what does he mean? We've got to remember he, he's talking to a first century people. The sea was no more. When you and I think about the sea, we don't automatically think about death and destruction, although there is that. But oftentimes we think about our spring break mission trip. We think of sand volleyball, and we think of baptisms, and we think of, of a wonderful day enjoying the hot sun in the cool water. That's what we think of when we think of the beach, but that's not what the first century believers would have thought of. For the first century believers, this would have been an exciting thing. Dr. Steve Lawson, he's the president of One Passion Ministries. He's a, a, a pastor and theologian. He says, to the ancient peoples, the sea was frightful and fearsome and an awesome monster. It was a watery grave. They had no compass to guide them in the open sea. Their frail ships were at the mercy of the tempestuous ocean's fearsome angry storms. The loss of human life in the sea was beyond calculation. So the sea represented a vast barrier for nations, continents, and people groups. Okay, so is there not going to be big bodies of water? No, this goes back to the, to the, um, the restoration of the earth. Because that's a bummer. If there is no water, some, you know, some of you guys are like, what am I doing for spring break? Beach days. You know, what am I doing for summer break? Beach days. I just want to be out in the hot sun by, on the beach drinking a cold drink. So, so uh, I just want to handle some, uh, you know, what the environment of the new earth is going to look like. Will, will there be mountains? Luke already discussed this. Think of the principle of continuation. Of course, of course there will be mountains. One of, one of the, 
one of the, th- the best experiences of my whole entire life. And one of the reasons why I was so bummed that we didn't go to Colorado this year is last year when we were skiing on the mountain, I've never seen anything so beautiful, majestic, being on top of, of a mountain, looking crest after crest after crest after crest of mountains and this beautiful white snow all over the place. It was cold. I'll give you that. But it was it was awesome. I wanted I wanted to go back so bad. I wanted to be on top of that mountain again. But it was praising God's glory. It was preaching God's glory. What about bodies of water? Of course there will be bodies of water. There, there just will be no death that comes from these bodies of water. These these will there be storms? Of, of course there will be storms. I was writing this yesterday as it was storming snow all over the place. After we're done, you can look up Billions and Billions by Donald Trump on YouTube and watch him say billions and billions and add that number of billions to the amount of billions of types of snowflakes that were falling. Billions and billions and trillions and trillions and billions 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 and billions. He says it a lot more. It's pretty funny of snowflakes. And each snowflake is as unique as you're in my fingerprint. Every single snowflake is different. And it was handcrafted by the creator of the universe. Will there be storms, snowstorms in heaven, rainstorms? Think about one of the most refreshing things to experience on all the earth is in the springtime after a rainstorm and the sun peers out from the clouds and everything is a bright green. And it reminds us of of the beauty of God and the glory of God. Will there be storms? I believe so. Quote from Anthony Hakma. All these quotes are from the book Heaven. In fact, if you want to know a lot of what I know about <laughs> heaven, just read this book that I've been reading for the past few days, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's been, it's been pretty mind-blowing. Uh, God will make the new earth his dwelling place. Heaven and earth will no longer be separated as they are now. They will be one. But to leave the earth out of consideration when we think about the final state of believers is to greatly impoverish biblical teaching about the life to come. This is Anthony Hakma. Why, and if it, if it greatly impoverish, impoverishes biblical teaching about the new heaven and the new earth, who is it impoverishing? It's impoverishing you and it's impoverishing me if we leave out this new earth, this restored earth. From consideration. This is an integral part of God's redemption. To leave out the new earth from consideration is like going to Northern Vessel and ordering a coffee and them saying, we're out of coffee. What a terrible day that would be. Because it's integral to the experience. It's a cool experience. It's a cool building. It's a cool ambiance. They have delicious scones that are actually from St. Kilda. I love them. They're awesome. Um, 
but that would really put a damper on that experience. One time in, in college, my campus ministry director, John Schreiner, we were dri- driving through the drive through at Arby's, and he, or- <laughs> he ordered a roast beef sandwich. And the guy's like, sorry, we're out of roast beef. He's like, what? This is what you guys were created for. Is to have roast, how could you be out of roast beef? It's an integral part of the experience. And same with the redeemed earth. It's an integral part of the experience of heaven. So when you think about the environment of heaven, don't think about clouds and togas and, and harps and loneliness, which is a big one. Don't think about an eternal worship service. Think about mountaintops where you can see crest after crest after crest. And think about the beach, the warm sand on your cold toes and a cool drink in your hand, and the hot sun where when you get too hot, you can just jump right into the ocean. That's what you think about when you think about the redeemed earth. So God will redeem everything. He'll redeem the earth, but he'll also redeem us. He's going to redeem us. And I think that John, uh, the last night, is going to talk about the anticipation of the resurrection. I think he's going to talk about these glorious bodies. So I want to talk mostly about what our experience is going to be when there's no longer death, when there's no longer sin, what our redeemed experience in heaven is going to be like. Why is it going to be so awesome? First of all, God is going to dwell with us. God's going to dwell with us. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be their God. This is a different experience than what we have now, but I, I think that, we, that we, we can imagine this. Have you ever had a point in time in your life, and I'm looking at a few of you where, where, where I, I've talked to you right after one of these experiences, these experiences where you know that you are in the right place at the right time, obedient to God, obeying His will, this clarity. There's no sin. You know that you are exactly, you are doing exactly what God had intended for you at that moment to do in your life, and there is no doubt. You guys ever had that experience? There's, there's no doubt. God is going to dwell with us forever and ever. And you will have no doubt about God. And every decision that you make is in the presence of God, apart from sin and death, and you cannot make a wrong decision. And there will, there will be peace. Everything that you do will be done in peace. I remember having this this experience at the beginning of this school year, just all the craziness of COVID and trying to figure out what we were doing as a campus ministry. And I remember driving one Thursday morning to our uh, to our Drake staff meeting, 
and just being so thankful. Not having any idea really exactly how this semester was going to work out, what was going to happen, but just knowing, God, you have me exactly where you want me. You have our ministry exactly where you want us. You love us. You care for us. You take care of every single need that we have. This is what the passage is displaying. That God, the ultimate of everything, he will dwell with us. And there will be no doubts. There will be all peace, all joy. Steve Lawson again says, God's glory will fill and permeate the entire new heaven not just one centralized place. Thus, wherever we go in heaven, we will be in the immediate presence of the full glory of God. Wherever we go, we will enjoy the complete manifestation of God's presence. Throughout all eternity, we will never be separated from direct, unhindered fellowship with God. This is a good thing. It means that in everything we do, it will be done in absolute perfect, perfect worship. So God's going to dwell with us. The second thing we learn is that no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, crying, or pain. That's what verse 4 is saying. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Remember, death is gone. The devil is gone. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Think about the scenarios in your life that cause you to cry, that cause you tears, where you experience pain, funerals, illnesses, cancer, gossip, Job loss, conflict with your roommates, with your family, with your friends, loss of friendship, loss of romantic relationship, pride, self-righteousness, laziness, lust, sexual sin, greed, anxiety, depression, fear, sleepless nights because of all these things, distance from God. Everything that your flesh has to offer you, think about the pain that it causes you. We will have no more flesh in heaven. The old man will be gone forever. forever. I hope you dwell on that all the time. I certainly do. Every decision you make, you'll be right in heaven. Why? How is he going to get rid of these things? Romans 1, 24 and 25. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What causes death? It's sin. What causes sin? It's the misbelief or belief in a lie. What causes this misbelief? It's the liar, the devil. (laughs) 
death is gone, which means sin is no more, which means that the lies are no more, which means the liar is no more. Death and tears and crying and pain and mourning started in the garden when Satan lied and deceived Eve. And Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and it rained until Revelation 20. And here we are in Revelation 21 talking about the new heaven and new earth where these things do not reign any longer. They are killed forever. Our work in heaven and we will work. It was not cursed. Work was cursed, but work was good. We will work. It's now in heaven will be completely rooted in the worship of God. And our rest and our leisure, it's not for the sake of, for the sake of our fleshly comfort and pursuits. It's now going to be rooted, completely rooted in worship. And all of our relationships will be completely rooted in the worship of God. There's no lie that will allow us to put God on the sacrificial altar and work on the throne of your life in pursuit of control, power, or fame. There's no lie that allows us to put God on the sacrificial altar and leisure or rest on the throne in pursuit of control or comfort or amusement. There's no lie that allows us to put God on a sacrificial altar and relationships of men on the throne in pursuit of acceptance or romance or fame. Because of this reality that, that death and the devil are dead, Everything can now be done and will be done in the presence of God's glory and will be perfect forever, forever. No more tears, no more flesh. So what are we going to do? What, are, what is our redeemed experience going to be like? Okay, there's no more tears, there's no more money. What are we going to do? We're going to work and we're going to have rest and leisure and we're going to have relationships Um, what about what about all the things that men have created that we really enjoy and some of the things that men have created that we really enjoy we do in order to worship God you know, whether it's play basketball or read books or listen to music or play music play different instruments all those sorts of things Will there be those things? In Isaiah 2.16, it talks about the ships of Tarshish. Why am I talking about the ships of Tarshish? Because these ships were evidently grand ships. <laughs> they were something to be proud of. They were possessions that the Israelites were proud of rather than being proud of God. And God was going to humble them and judge them because they had pride in their possessions rather than in God. Pride in their accomplishments rather than in God. And then in Isaiah 60 verse 9, these ships come up again. And it's talking about Israel's future glory. Well, how does it talk about them then? It talks about them in a positive way that they're going to, to bring 
children from afar into this glory, they're talked about in a positive way. So what God was rejecting in these items, these man-made creations, was not these creations themselves. It was the idolatrous pride and the worship of these creations. So will there be all of these things that we love and enjoy and can worship God in on this earth? Will Will there be sports and books and skiing and mountain climbing and surfing and snorkeling and snowshoeing and running and eating and eating? You guys like to eat. I like to eat too. And dance and stories to tell and laughter. Martin Luther said, if there's no laughter in heaven, I don't want to go. Will there be those things? You just got to think about the principle of continuity. I think so. If the ships of Tarshish are going to be there, why not these other things? Can you put that quote, that next quote up? This is Anthony Huckma again. The possibilities that now rise before us boggle the mind. There will be better, will there be better Beethovens on the new earth? Better Rembrandts? Better Raphaels? Shall we read better poetry, better drama, and better prose? Will scientists continue to advance in technological achievement? Our culture will glorify God in ways that surpass our most fantastic dreams. This guy, who's done a lot more studying on heaven, sure seems to think so. And the principle of continuity would say so. So when you think about your experience of heaven, don't think about togas, don't think about clouds, and don't think about loneliness and harps and halos. Think about the, the, the time where God you experience the presence of God and you know exactly that you are in the exact place doing the exact thing that God wants you to do. And there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no shame in it. And you know that God is leading you and teaching you. And he's present in that moment. Think about that experience multiplied to the infinite power for all of eternity. Think about the smell of your first dark black cup of coffee after COVID gives you your smell back. Or that meal, whatever it was that you enjoyed after COVID. And after a hundred years, after a hundred years in heaven, a hundred years in heaven, we haven't even lived a hundred years. I'm closer, but none of us have lived a hundred years. Each of us will look at each other and say, God chose to pour out his grace on us. Why? And after a hundred thousand years, we'll say, <laughs> he continues to lavish his grace on us why? <laughs> and uh, billions and billions and billions and billions of years later, 
We're going to read Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, reminiscing about our days on earth when we didn't know much. And we're going to read, Christ raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And we'll say... We had no idea what immeasurable grace even looked like. Paul, you could have used a a better word than immeasurable, couldn't you have? Immeasurable, beyond immeasurable, beyond immeasurable, beyond immeasurable. This grace, eternity will no doubt get better and better. It will not be boring. Day after day, God will blow our minds with happiness how rich his grace is toward us in this new heaven and new earth. So what, what should we do about it? You and I should make heaven a part, a significant part of our gospel reflection. Jesus himself, in the book of Matthew, we went through this this reading plan over, uh, over Matthew this December. We're still in it. And over 50 times, this, that's a lot of times, 50 times Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, likening things to the kingdom of heaven, trying to give us a vivid picture about the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to think about heaven. That's baked into the gospel. What did Jesus Christ die for? He died for our sins. Why? To be with God. Where? In heaven. Forever. This is part, this is baked into what Christ paid for on the cross and we should make it we should include it in our gospel reflections the new testament writers they don't go long in their writings before motivating you and i with heaven and neither should we neither should we let's pray father god thank you for heaven thank you for your picture this understanding that you give us in your word that we can read and we can know and we can understand, we can imagine it. And because we can imagine it, we can put our hope in the fact that you're going to dwell with us forever. We can put our hope in the fact that you are going to redeem this earth and we are going to live on this earth with you forever. We put our hope in the fact that you're going to redeem us Never again in eternity will we ever have to question any of our decisions. Never again will we have to wonder if it's sin or if it's not sin. Everything that we do will be perfect. It will be, it will be done perfectly all the time. Our work, our leisure, our rest, our relationships, everything, absolutely everything will be perfect. Thank you, God. Thank you, God give these things to you. Amen.
If you found this encouraging, we hope you'll subscribe or follow for more content. Or go to our website, campusfellowship.com, for other resources. Campus Fellowship is a student organization whose goal is to come alongside local churches to reach college campuses. Thanks for listening.